passion, analysis, hot takes. Welcome to Political Football. And now, your hosts, Clee, Dave, and Maddie Ellis. Another week, another installment of Political Football brought to you by Matty Ice Media. I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, another familiar voice here. This is Matty Ice, one of your hosts. I'll bring Dave in in a minute, but I just want to welcome Cleve back to the Wolfpack doing your uh, civic duty. How you doing, my man? I'm good, man. I'm good. So as you guys know, you and Dave know, I, I finally got my second vaccine. Um, went relatively well. Uh, minor shakes. Um a little fatigue um other than that i was fine um i had some other friends take it the same day and it was a shit show for the one of my friends for like three days they were, they were messed up so i don't know what they got but um so yeah so now i can actually see you guys you know that's right i have to do something with you guys i haven't seen i haven't seen they live like down the street from me so it'd be good to like catch catch up with him in in, in person so, Cleve, before we get into the topics, uh, Dave and I wanted to know, since you were in the um, elder group that could have gotten this vaccine first, why did you wait till May before you decided to get in there? Oh, no, I, I wasn't eligible at all. I, oh. I no, tried Cleve, every... Everybody every... over 65 was eligible in like January. <laughs> Anybody who saw Night, lane tra- <laughs> Night Train Lane play in person uh, was eligible. Hey, the guy's a national legend. He um, is. Yeah, I, I just... I just I don't know. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm finally through that through that tunnel, though. I swear to God, it's just, you know, I I don't know what you guys have been seeing where you, where you live, but um, it's still kind of confusing. But I, I I feel safer for me. So I'll tell you what I've been seeing in my area is a ton of cicadas. That's what I've been seeing in my area. <sighs> they are all over the place. Yeah, well, you know what? Consider yourself lucky because the tree outside of my yard here has about a billion of them, and I swear they're on their way to taking over the friggin' neighborhood. So consider yourself lucky in the confines of your complex. Did you see, uh, um, I forget her first name, um, on CNN. She ate one live on TV because they're like a great source of protein. I'm like, holy shit. There's a lot of other great sources of protein that don't involve eating a bug. Dave, (laughs) what are your comments on that one? Okay, but, but in defense of the people that eat cicadas, of which I am not one, the difference between a cicada and a shrimp is not as far as we want it to be. They are very similar creatures. <laughs> I don't dis- wow. I don't disagree, but what I don't have to do is see the shrimp in its exoskeleton before I eat it the way that you do with a cicada. Giant orange eyes looking at you? No thanks. That, 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 that's a good one. I can, I can send you some recipes, Matt. It's okay. Oh. All right, Dave. So let me ask you, before I pass it to you for some NFL talk, uh, would you eat a chocolate-covered cicada? A chocolate-covered cicada? Yes. Uh, I mean, for how much? I mean, how much are we talking here? Uh, <laughs> for, for free, for protein. No. For, for protein? No, I would not. I would, however, as part of as part of a bet, I would do it. So, like, if you and I wanted to bet something, the loser had to eat a chocolate-covered cicada, I would do it. But I'm not just going to do it, like, just for fun. Like, okay, would you so... eat a chocolate-covered shrimp? I'd probably maybe uh but let, let so, me ask you though on, hold on, hold on. so dave what price would you do it for Lion Super one chocolate covered cicada yeah i would do it for five hundred dollars but i have to be paid in bitcoin five hundred dollars in bitcoin okay. so dave what if the uh, next year the lions draft a quarterback in the first round would you do it then because that means they did the right thing according to your logic no, I would not. I would never eat a chocolate covered cicada to celebrate. Upset, folks. Upset. All right. So <laughs> la- the last week um, hasn't really been, or the last couple weeks, I would say, hasn't really been that exciting from an NFL news standpoint. Uh, we are pat. We are. It is June first today, so we are at this this deadline where teams can basically save a little bit of money on caps. You know, cap hits this year to get rid of either disgruntled players or players that are going to be a huge hit to the cap. So we've discussed Aaron Rodgers, who put his name and voice to his uh, dis- disgruntled nature with the Packers, and I feel like that's old news at this point because we've talked about that. However, uh, Dave and I got into the Julio Jones interaction where he basically had a candid, I'll use candid in quotes, conversation with Shannon Sharp and said he's out of Atlanta. 
So now it's June 1st. Obviously, they can trade him. There's a lot of interest in him. And Dave, you kind of wanted to get into the speculation of it because obviously he's not going to be there. He's a financial hindrance to them given his contract situation. I understand they can't pay their draft picks as it stands currently. Um, so let's get into where you think he's going to land. Yeah, so the thing with Julio is that he has to be traded. As you mentioned, he... Like, either he or Matt Ryan have to leave the Falcons or else they're going to have, like, eight players on their team. Um, theoretically, I think they could also get rid of Deion Jones, but they're going to get more for, for Julio. If he's not going to win this year, they might as well get get as much as they can. And the reason I want to talk about this is for two reasons. One, it's interesting because any team he goes to is going to get better. But I also want to go over exactly how much better a team stands to get by signing Julio. Um, the three teams most likely to sign Julio Jones as of right now are the Tennessee Titans, the New England Patriots, and the Seattle Seahawks. The Titans are plus 200. The Patriots and the Seahawks are plus 300 each. So the Titans are 2-1. to one, Patriots and Seahawks are 3-1. to one. Um, And I should say that this is actually Julio Jones' next team, and the Falcons are not on the list. So he's definitely not playing for the Falcons. Um, so first of all, of those three teams, Cleve, the Titans, the Patriots, and the Seahawks, which team do you think would benefit the most from signing Julio Jones? Uh, in, in in order of operations, I think uh, I think um, Titans, Seahawks, and uh, what's the last one? Patriots. Patriots. Yeah, I think I think him going because the Patriots. Sorry, Matt, you guys take guys on the cheap, and I don't, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna show up there with uh, with his wallet a little lighter. Or you know, getting a little lighter. I think, if anything, he if he wants to stay in the South, where whereas you know ge geographically he's near family, Tennessee plays well, and they have a young quarterback. Um, but uh, Seahawks, obviously, with Russell Wilson, you know that would be a would be a nice a nice uh, tandem. Yeah, I uh, I agree with about the Seahawks. Uh, the Titans would of course be great because. They lost Corey Davis to the Jets. So they could put uh, Julio Jones and A.J. Brown yep, on the good field together. So that, yep. would be, that would be good. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts? Like, what if they had to give up uh, like a second and a third and a fifth to get Julio, the Patriots? What would you think about that? You know, I just don't – I don't know. I mean, obviously in the now, it, it would make some sense. But the way that I look at the team as it's currently constructed – that move doesn't put them in the Super Bowl conversation given the other teams that are around them and the talent that's around them. Like if Julio Jones is on that team and you're either starting Cam or Mac Jones, that team is not beating the Chiefs. Like it's just not beating the Chiefs. And so does it make a lot of sense for them to make a move like that, give up future draft capital, which isn't necessarily a huge deal, knowing that he's going to make an impact, but how much of an impact is he going to make this year? Because I would think that you're doing that to win in the next couple of years. And are they really built to win in the next couple of years, given what we know on their roster currently? I'm not sure about that. So I think it would be a great you know, addition, obviously. But thinking about the future, I don't know how much it would be because he's 32 years old. Is he going to play at an elite level and stay on the field long enough? I mean, he has had some injury concerns. So if they don't trade for him, I'm certainly not going to lose sleep over it. If they do and they give up a huge haul, I'm probably feeling a little bit weary. I mean, uh, a little bit, uh, you know, worried about it because I just don't know how much of a return they're going to get on that investment as compared to the other teams, which are more built to win now and have made it known after obviously making the playoffs last year. And I, when you got, go ahead, Cleve. Sorry, 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 Dave. When you guys discussed this, uh, or I guess kind of segue to this last week, um, I want Dave's and then Matt, Matt's opinion first. Dave, what do you, what did you think of Shannon when Shannon called him, or they got on the call together? Like for him to say what he said, obviously, do you think it was appropriate for or, or good for an etiquette for someone that says, "Hey, Dave, you're on speaker. Um, what's up?" So we did discuss this last week, and we basically both agreed that it would it would be awful if. Shannon Sharp did not tell Julio that he was on the air. And then I basically think that even if it's like, if I'm put somebody on speaker, I want them to know. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that that's terrible. I actually still am not convinced that Julio did not know he was on the air. Like 
I, 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 like, it can go, it can go either way. And but if he didn't know he was on the air, it's absolutely terrible. Um, mm-hmm. and if he did know he was on the air, then he really didn't do the Falcons a favor. But the thing exactly. is, he just wants to, but he just wants to make sure he gets out of there because he's trying <laughs> to win. So, um, I mean, he doesn't owe he doesn't owe them anything. So, you know, I'm uh, I'm I'm not I'm not mad at him about it, but like he could have done that a little more clandestinely. But yeah, no, it's it's never okay to not to not tell uh not tell somebody that they're on speaker on the air <laughs> yeah matt i mean it's it's the same journalistic responsibility that we have it sounds stupid because we don't have the reach as um the was it undisputed is that what the show's called i think uh-huh. um we don't have the same reach but we have the same responsibility of telling somebody that you are your words are going to be put out there so what you say you have to own uh, but I too have come to think that it's a it's all part of the plan because I'm pretty sure the Falcons social media uh, platforms you know tweeted about it and sort of made light of the situation. So it seems pretty mutual that they know that they were going to try to move on from him. He they know he doesn't want to be there anymore. He wants to win, and even if it you know even if it was something that he didn't uh, know ahead of time. Yes, Shannon should have told him that. But if Julio's not upset about it and is fine with the way that it went down, it is what it is. He's he's got to be the one to press charges, and um, you'd just like to think that the um, the media would be a little bit more responsible with it. But um, at, at this point, it is what it is. No, I uh, I agree. And so the thing the thing that I wanted to bring up about the Julio situation here is that while it can seem like okay, the NFL. How can one player make such a huge difference to a team, such a huge difference to a team's chances chances of winning? Adding Julio Jones actually makes a significant difference, and here's why. So I took a look at the Seahawks for this, and right now the Seattle Seahawks have about a 3% chance to win the Super Bowl according to an average of various computer models that are out there. And 3% is actually not that great because there's 32 teams in the league. So if every single team was the exact same level of ability and skill, they would be 3.125% to win. So right now the Seahawks have an average chance of win, but of course the teams aren't equal, right? The Chiefs are really good and the Lions are really bad. So like the Chiefs absorb the Lions' chances of winning the Super Bowl. However, by adding Julio Jones... The Seahawks will go from a three percent chance to win to a five percent chance to win, and that five that two percent difference is a huge difference. So, two percent one in no limit hold'em, a two percent is one card on the river, so it's one more additional out on the river. In this situation, the Seahawks go from thirty-three to one to win the Super Bowl to twenty to one to win the Super Bowl, just from signing Julio Jones. That is a significant, significant jump from getting Julio, and that's why I think. It's such a big deal that Julio is going to go and where he's going to go to because he's already said he's going to go to a team that can win. He actually represents a huge increase in probability for a team to win despite being just one player. Why do you, why do you, not you, Dave, this is not a, a personal attack question. Why do you guys think like when a player's like their time is up someplace, they say, I want to go somewhere to win? They went to a Super Bowl. I mean, it, uh, did, did they win the Super Bowl? No, no, they got their. I mean, it was epic. That was that's probably in the in the pantheon of of, of implosions. That's probably the number one or one A or one B, whatever. But I just I, like that becomes like the like the theme. Oh, I want to go somewhere to win. Like like Cam left. Oh, I want to go somewhere to win. He goes to New England. Like it's like it's like you know like you said earlier or alluded to. He doesn't owe them anything. He owes them like his. He played for them for a while. Like he, you know, he's not a four-year guy. He's he's been there um the entire of his career, entirety of his career. So he does, he does, he doesn't owe them anything, but he does owe them something, right? To, uh, to say, hey, I want to go somewhere where it wins. I'm like, wait a minute. We did put a feel, I mean, we feel that a team that went to a Super Bowl. So the thing is, is that he doesn't owe them anything. They paid him money and he played as well as he could, and now he's leaving. Like he doesn't, he does not yeah, owe them well, anything he has the out right the door. To. Yeah, yeah, he, he doesn't. Has the he right doesn't. To. He doesn't have to make sure they get the best whatever. Like especially because the team he's going to is going to be his new team. So he doesn't. He doesn't owe the Falcons anything. And then on top of that, so Julio Jones 
probably won Mr. Football in high school, I'm assuming, goes to Alabama, wins the national championship, wins the Blitnikoff Award, I'm pretty sure, top 10 NFL draft pick, you know, receiving yards champion, multiple-time pro bowler, has won his division, has won his conference. The only thing Julio Jones has never accomplished is winning the Super Bowl. So I can imagine why it's important to Julio Jones to go somewhere where he can win the Super Bowl. What does he need? More money? Like, well, he, well, the only thing he's left is to win a Super Bowl, and his time yeah. is running out. Yeah, yeah. No, and and everything you said is uh, is on par. I, I'm, I'm just playing devil, devil's advocate here. Like, you know, when it comes down to, like, well, I want to win, you're saying this to an organization, and you're you're saying I'm out of here to an organization that has paid you, that has provided you a living, and has to give you a landing spot, sort because they have to negotiate. If they release you, then it's up to you to make terms with whoever you go to. But if they're going to trade you for wares, for for other assets, wouldn't it be in the best interest of, of this player not to say shit like that? I'm just saying. No, the interests of the player and the interests of the team are, are not the same. In fact, they're working against each other because Julio wants to make sure that his new team has the best chance to win. So if it's up to Julio, he wants to make sure he can get traded for just a seventh-round draft pick and a bag of footballs. Right? Well, that's because what I'm saying. Like, so, yeah, yeah. Like, you – to Matt's point, Matt said, well, he, he he's had some injury issues. Um, he's obviously, you know, in, in, uh, in receiver – not retirement home yet, but he's heading there. So, you know – you might want to play nice because these people hold the hold the cards on what they're going to get for you. Obviously, they're going to try to maximize the trade. Like they're not going to give you away for a bag of footballs, but you may say, "Well, you know what? Since you're going to be an asshole about it, we'll entertain whatever is good for us, but not good for you." You you want to win win in this situation. The thing is, though, is that Julio does hold all the leverage in the situation because if they trade him to a team he doesn't want to play for, he will just refuse to play for that team. So no team will trade for him that he won't play for. So, like, the Jets can't trade for Julio because Julio yeah. will refuse to play. Therefore, yeah. the Jets will never trade for Julio. The only teams that will talk to the Falcons are teams Julio wants to go to. The, the Falcons have to move somebody. They're not going to move Matt Ryan. Julio's already said that he's leaving. Julio has all the leverage in this situation. And what it's is in his best interest to make sure that the Falcons get as little as possible because his new team is now his focus, whoever it is. He's no longer a member of the Falcons. He's a yeah. member of whatever team he is going to. You guys, I, I always allude to you guys as being GMs. If you had to make a GM move on this, what's, what would you give up? Obviously, you're Matt, you're the Patriots GM, and then Dave, you're the Lions GM. What do you and we're just using these two teams as a landing spot for him. Like, what would you trade? Or, like, you know what, Dave? Let's let's give it a real a real thing. If you were the Seahawks, that's hilarious. That is an incredible dunk on the Lions, and I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm just no, 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 because you made it. Because you said that yeah. the Jets like exactly. The Jets, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. You know, we wouldn't get like we wouldn't. We have to give up an entire roster for him. Like it would exactly. have to be like like 2027 20, picks. It would have to go into that. Into that. Uh, so, right. what would Matt? Do, Matt, you're you guys first. give up. What would you go up for Julio? If I'm the GM looking at the current team, um, I'm probably not. I'll be honest. Mainly because with the Patriots right now, they're in a situation where they don't have enough to compete in the now, given the talent or you know, the, given the teams around them. And as Dave, you and I have talked about, like the goal is winning the Super Bowl. But I, I think. Bill Belichick has to know that his team is not Super Bowl caliber and then giving up if it doesn't work out and you now are down a whole bunch of draft capital, it kind of sets the franchise back a little bit. And I think that's what the way I would look at it. And that might be a conservative outlook on it. But, you know, going seven and nine last year with no talent, bringing Cam back, drafting a quarterback, signing a bunch of guys. Um, is it really in their best interest to give up three draft picks for it? I don't think so. And I, but I think they're not in the same position as the Seahawks and Titans, who one of them made a deep run in the playoffs, the other one did not. But they're better, except for the fact that Pete Carroll wants to run the ball more. So trading a whole bunch of stuff for Julio when he wants to give the ball to Chris Carson more is kind of an interesting move. And that's definitely a move to appease Russ, if you ask me. That's exactly why I asked that question, Matt. You And you, I lined it up perfectly for you to land an, land an airplane um because again is what you what you said earlier Dave what it what are your thoughts so the thing is I think that from us on the outside looking in we because we make assessments like oh Mac Jones how is he going to be or whatever the Patriots have to assume 
that they have hit a home run with Mac Jones, right? When you when you are in competition and you make a decision, you have to assume that, that decision is going to work out. So from the Patriots' point of view, they should be operating as if Mac Jones is Justin Herbert, right? As if he is ready to go. He is the guy, right? So I think that the Patriots should view it as if they are going to be competing this year because they just got their quarterback. I don't think they did. I think Mac Jones is perfectly average. They should be thinking like they did, and they should give up whatever they need to get Julio to help him, right? So mm-hmm. from the Seahawks' point of view, they, of course, already have their quarterback. Um, and they love getting rid of draft capital anyway. So for the Seahawks, it's easy. I would give two second-round picks, a third or a fourth and a fifth for Julio Jones across two years to the Falcons. Because the Falcons need multiple picks, right? They don't need just one first-round pick to hit, right? If they just replaced Julio Jones with Justin Jefferson right now, they would still suck. Yep. So, like, they need multiple players. So I'd give them multiple picks, two seconds, a fourth, and a fifth, and maybe even a player if they needed, if, if that came into um, uh, to help. Give them Freddie Swain, you know. Uh, and this is – Tony Blocker. And this is knowing that he has – that he – his wheels aren't what they used to be. Like, like you know, you know that there's like he he's not a he's not a guy that's like always injured, but he ha- he has of late has some issues. So he so he is like always he's never been a hundred he hasn't been a hundred percent like six years, yeah. and he's still dominant. Like when he's able to play, he is a great player. And then from the Seahawks' point of view, they have Lockett and Metcalf. So the question is, do you want 32-year-old Julio Jones in single coverage as like a third wide receiving option on the field? And the answer is yes. And if mm-hmm. they don't have single coverage, that means either Lockett or DK Metcalf is, and then Julio's doing it, doing his job another way. Yeah. Even, like even if they only used him like from within the 30-yard line. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like as a red zone weapon, he's still amazing. So he's the goal line fade guy. Uh nobody's a goal line fade guy. But it's <laughs> a terrible play. But, oh, uh, yes, the, I would I would go and get Julio Kukovs of the Seahawks. And I would also go get him if I were the Patriots because the Patriots have to assume that Mac Jones is that dude. We might not think that he is. They need to operate as if they hit a home run with Mac Jones. Okay. He's going to the Bucks. We all know it. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> He's going to end up on the Bucks. Bro, n- no, you, you're laughing. You're laughing. That, that could happen, bro. The Buccaneers... The Buccaneers are not on this list of teams that I have here that go down to plus 2,000. However, there is one more interesting one real quick to discuss, and that is the Packers at plus 900. What if instead of trading Aaron Rodgers, they go get him Julio Jones and put Julio and Devontae on the same team? There he go. The Falcons say they want Rodgers, so we trade Rodgers for Matt Ryan and Julio Jones straight up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First of all, First of all, Matty Julio I- is not going to Green Bay and playing fucking Green Bay. Like, Matty Green Ice. Bay is cold. Listen, Green Bay Matty, is fucking cold. Listen, Matty Ice playing on the frozen tundra is about as perfect <laughs> as you can get. All right? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, I think the the bottom line, though, Cleve, just one more thing before we, we move on to some stuff that happened uh, elsewhere. But um, I think from a branding perspective and from a PR perspective, saying that you want to go somewhere to win saves you from what happened with J.J. Watt, where teammates are like, he's not about winning. He's about his own stats. And so, forth. so, yeah, so I'm sure there, there's that's part of it where his people are smart enough to say, look, say that you want to go somewhere to win. Obviously, the team's success since that Super Bowl has not been up to snuff. They don't have multiple playoff berths to sort of write home about when it comes to the success of the team. And you say you want to go somewhere to win. You're at the end of the at end of your career. And I think most fans say, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't he want to go win? Unless, of course, uh, you're Cleve and you say they went to a Super Bowl. Yeah, well, well, here's the thing. on on As a civilian, on, on our jobs, we tell our boss, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere to get promoted. You know, like no one like you guys didn't do shit for me, but give me a paycheck. I want to go somewhere to get promoted. That's that's just, all that is. I, I you know I honestly don't think that the organizations think about it that way in some in some respects because 
it's just as much a cutthroat business for the players as it is for the owners and stuff like the players have to watch out for their own back the teams have to watch out for their own back and so in today's paradigm where player uh, empowerment has gone up and players use whatever leverage they have i mean julio jones knows that they can't keep him and that they're probably not going to trade anybody else and so i don't think he's necessarily taking a dump in the organization i think it's just the way that the business works like yeah, no, I, no, i'm out of here and and I agree with that because I drew parallels with with you with yeah. this offline when I talked about Steve McNair when they brought in um when they brought in uh, uh what's the guy that went to God um, Vince Young Vince Young yes I don't know why I slipped, slipped my thoughts he didn't find out that he was off the team or get ready to be traded until he showed up to the facility and his key card didn't work and I'm like this this is probably the greatest Titan quarterback or 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 Houston Oilers quarterback that they've had. And the guy shows up to the facility and can't get in. To, you know, they're like, hey, yeah, so uh, about that. You need to come upstairs and talk to the guy. And I'm like, wow. So you blood, sweat, and tears. And this is how you're dealt, you know. So I, I, I get can, it. I cannot believe that Cleve just dumped popcorn all over Warren Moon. No, no. I, I, I was <laughs> When I said that and I saw you put your head down, I saw the Warren Moon like in your eyes. I was like, yeah, like, okay. There, there was another guy there too. So yeah, Warren Moon is obviously the greatest. McNair, because he took him to the Super Bowl, so it's one and one A. But yeah, I, I, I agree. Warren, Warren was the better quarterback of the two. Is, is Warren Moon a great example of if he played today, he would have X amount of yards passing? Like, how many other guys oh, yeah. can we do? How, what, what are oh, yeah. some other guys that aren't necessarily obvious, but like Warren Moon? To me, it always stands out as if you played today, uh, it would be it would be a show. Like, who else do you guys think of in that regard? So I'm looking up Warren Moon right here. Oh yeah, Warren Moon would have been great. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wanted I wanted to make sure that he wasn't like tiny, mm-hmm. because unlike Cleve, I was a kid when Warren Moon was around. Um, <laughs> and he's yeah, he's six three two twenty. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's that is a legitimate NFL quarterback <laughs> right there. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he'd 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 put in some work right now. He would he would definitely crush, especially with the offenses are designed. I mean, oh yeah, that, what that like that like Tecmo Super Bowl Houston Oilers offense is yeah. very modern with like Haywood Jeffries and Ernest Gibbons yeah. and Lorenzo White. Like yep. that's a very modern offensive design. He would he would absolutely crush. Like if you put him on like the Cardinals with oh yeah Tyler oh yeah just throwing it around like crazy. Yeah, oh, he would yeah. be he, he would be fantastic nowadays. No question about that. Mm-hmm. Is a guy like Bo Jackson devalued in today's NFL when before we saw him as a legitimate star because he could play both, you know, he could he could do multiple sports? So Bo Jackson's devalued in the NFL because the running back is devalued in the NFL. Right. However, like he would still be one of the best running backs in the game. And there's and there's a place for them and a role for them. But like the best teams now don't have the best running backs. Chiefs, Bills, Bucks don't have great running backs. Um, he certainly wouldn't make as much. In fact, I think if Bo Jackson were in Auburn, like right now, he would play baseball full-time as a professional. I don't think he'd even play football. Yeah, I agree with that, Dave. So who's another guy? Who's a guy? This is a good question. And I know we're a little off topic, but I think it's fun. Who's a guy who is seen as an all-time great who would not translate to today's NFL. Let's stick with quarterbacks for a minute. Like a guy that is considered an all-time great who wouldn't necessarily be considered that if he had to play in today's NFL paradigm. I mean, just dead or alive or? Yeah. Uh, most of them. Well, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, so so here's a good example. So like- Kenny Stabler, all, bro. Kenny Stabler. Yeah. What about Elway? Would Elway be good in any? Like, would he be yeah, good today? Yeah, Elway okay. can throw the ball over them, their mountains, and he's pinpoint accurate, and he's huge. Yeah, John Elway, John Elway would be fine. Well, the okay. guy that would be supreme would be would be Marino. Marino would have more yards than Drew Brees, and he played now. Hmm. I, I, yeah, but like Marino, Marino would have more yards than Drew ago. Brees with these yeah, offenses but he, now. But but he also did not play that long ago, so like I think Marino could still play. How about somebody like Fran Tarkenton? Yeah. Okay. Otto so, Graham. Yeah. So I mean, you guys are going back now, but but yeah, I mean, I I, I picked Kenny Stabler because you know he like they were they were gunslingers, bro. Like they were just slinging around. Yeah, I know? think all I think all the run around and throw it guys from the sixties and seventies and early Archie Manning, like 
because they're so slow compared to defensive players today. Like, can you imagine Frank Tarkin is trying to outrun Khalil Mack? Oh, yeah. Like, he, he would be would... murdered immediately. <laughs> so, I think, yeah, I think all these small guys who ran around and made plays who are, like, who, like, couldn't even play point guard in the NBA now because they're too small. Would yeah. Probably, would probably get destroyed in the, yeah. um, in the, in the NFL today. The bigger sort of statue passing guys, like, maybe Bradshaw could still hack it. Because you could sort of stand back there and throw it. But we don't have a lot of older players that were of the proper size and the ability to run. It's always small running guys or big statue guys. Yeah. Um, and I think I think the real question is, could Roger Staubach play NFL, quarterback in the NFL right now? I think that's, that's, the, the, that's the line. That's a, Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's actually a real good one, Dave. That's, that's one I would have to like really, really think about. Some guys I don't have to think about, but that would that would be one that I have to think about. See, I like these conversations because we always talk about how guys today could play in any era, right? We we kind of say that sometimes, but like yes. I like bringing guys forward uh, from the past because we look at guys that can you imagine if they played like imagine if Warren Mood played where offenses were this pass heavy, right? And we 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 valued the passing game so much. I mean, imagine what he would do. Like, think about if you added some of these guys to these teams today. Like, Cleve, if we did a Madden simulation where we added some of these guys to the teams that are currently constructed now mm-hmm. and tried to, and like did a simulation of how it would work. Like, how, how good would Warren Moon, Moon be if he was currently quarterbacking the Titans? Right? Well, I actually play this on Madden now. Like, like what we're actually doing. I play in a league with some guys where our drafts are indicative of yesteryear and current players and to to um to dave's point when you're when you're dropping back with a frank tarkington and you got aaron donald barreling up the up the gut he's going to be flushed to another guy and it's it's game on because these de- these defensive players to dave's point these guys are bigger stronger faster than their their contemporaries i mean they're uh you know they're their former, you know, former players aren't aren't these missiles now, um, two ninety five, three ten, and just it's crazy. So, is defense where guys from the past would have a hard time today, or do you think that that it's like some of the the conditions in which they play, like Ronnie Lott could play today, or could he not because of the new rules, the way that things work? No, I, I, I don't think Ronnie could play today. Yeah, like Ronnie, his Ronnie, his physical play, no. Ronnie Lott, Ronnie Lott would be perfectly fine playing playing today. He might play outside linebacker, but he'd be perfectly <laughs> fine. He'd be perfectly fine playing today. Uh, so I've been, as you guys were talking, I've been doing some uh, reading through here, and I'm going to come down on the side that Roger Staubach could not play quarterback today's NFL. It's close, but the thing that jumps out to me is that his TD to interceptions for his career, 153 to 109. Mm. And... Like that tells me that he like they really had a lead on that running game for him. Yeah. Like like yeah, I'm looking at this and I'm like, Calvin Hill deserves a lot more credit. So that's that's where I come down on that. And honestly, I don't think most of the players from from before like 1978 could play in today's NFL at all in any way. Could Deacon Jones play? Because I'm I'm on I'm on this side argument for me only works for defense because you made me see the light in that uh, last year we had a we had a, a little debate offline on text you and I and when I kind of thought about it I was like you know what he's right about defenses like the way the defense like the way the defensive guys are made up now physically made up it's 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 pales in comparison it was like LT was kind of like one of the guys now in that era in his era where everyone wasn't as big as him or wasn't and they moved him around a lot so if you're like some fucking guard trying to stop that guy he's coming from he's not coming from his position in 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 inside linebacker he's coming from the outside he's coming from you know the whatever a gap like he's just he's everywhere you know back then not a lot of guys were this was Swiss army knife only a couple of guys were uh Deacon Jones I could not play defensive end uh, in today's NFL. He's too tall and too light, 6'5", 272. Yeah. But that's a brilliant edge pass rusher. So assuming that he had some speed to him, which I'm sure he did, he probably could. The other thing, though, is that he can't just punch offensive linemen in the face 
and go past them. Uh, that's, that's not legal anymore. Like, he might have to learn some more technique. But again, yeah, shifting positions maybe. But at the position he played, he's too small. I like this for a future segment where we take you know, a handful of the all-time greats and look at them the way that they would fit into today's NFL and maybe even mm-hmm. try to slot them into new positions uh, because I think that there's a lot of fun value to be had in doing that because I, I, I think we can look at guys from the past and we always have a nostalgia factor where we are like, oh, this guy was so great. I remember watching him play. But then if you think about translating in today's NFL, it's to me it's very intriguing because you wonder how many guys if we reassessed like hall of fame credentials based on if we like if they played in today's nfl how many of them wouldn't have made it because they would have just been in a larger sea you know like a one uh good fish in a much larger sea of talent these days that's why that's why i say like and dave kind of made me see this in our argument last year like a terrell davis couldn't play in the 80s or the or the late 70s uh, Terrell Davis, as as much as they relied on him, and as much as Denver had that scheme of just any back can get a thousand yards, I don't think some of these backs in in though in that era would have would have succeeded. Now, would Earl Campbell be like a Derrick Henry in today's game? Like, where where Earl Campbell or Bo Jackson be as dominant? But again, today's point, running backs aren't valued like that anymore. Like, that's not like oh, we're gonna draft Earl Campbell number one. You get our Campbell like in the third round now. So once you start moving players back, they can always have more success. Terrell Davis would be perfectly fine in the seventies, right? Like he'd he'd be perfectly good. Uh, no, right wait, in the seventies. If, if these guys are hitting you out of bounds and and, and they're hitting you in the knees and all that shit, I don't. Think, it doesn't don't matter. Think he he, he's bigger than half of them. Like you know, that's 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 the entire point. Like as you start moving players back through time. They're going to be more and more dominant the further back they go, by and large. It's about bringing players forward. And the one player that I know for sure could play in the NFL right now at his his position is your boy, Nat Train Lane. 6'1", 194, cornerback, that fast, that physical. Pro Bowl right now. You put him in the league. Yeah, I agree. Him and And LT. Him and LT. To me, that's hands down. But to me, LT doesn't count because he's after 78. Uh, so, like, yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah, of course he still could. But Night Train Lane was born in 19... 19- Night Train Lane is 10 years younger than Captain America. And he could still <laughs> play in the NFL right now. <laughs> right I'll tell you now, what. he could walk into play. Before... <laughs> Before we uh, move on to another topic, the one uh, interaction I'd love to see that I would get my popcorn ready for is Derrick Henry running in like the 1950s. I think oh that would my be absolutely God. hilarious. Oh, so, so quickly, I, we can't we can't touch on that because we have seen that because Derrick Henry is the same size, uh, height, weight, speed, and agility as Jim Brown. They are literally the same human yeah. being, and so we can actually see like. Derrick Henry back then because that was Jim Brown. And we can see Jim Brown today because that's Derrick Henry. That's actually like, that's the best one we can see. So, yes, we have seen Derrick Henry play in the past. And it's Jim Brown, and it's amazing. So, speaking of popcorn, uh, two popcorn uh, references here. We're going to get away from the NFL a little bit and, and hit up the NBA. Um, as we alluded to at the beginning, we're all vaccinated. We're waiting to get back out into the world. And others have been able to get back out of the world the nba has expanded their protocols to having fans at games and quite a bit of fans at games depending on where it is that you're watching the game um and unfortunately the fans have decided to show us why we in america can't have nice things basically uh there have been now five instances of uh misbehavior at these games that has basically borderline on dehumanizing behavior and just disgusting in my opinion and i'm going to try to get all of them and you guys can correct me on some of them so we had um john morant's parents being harassed uh, in utah shocker um we had kyrie irving getting a water bottle thrown at him in boston also another shocker um we had trey young getting spit on in new york third shocker uh we had a fan run out onto the court to see Dwight Howard during a Wizards game. And I think that was last night or the night before. And uh, the fifth one, uh, what was the fifth one? I can't remember. 
We got Russ, Trey Young, Russ. Ja, Russ, popcorn. Right. The the one the one I actually made an <laughs> the one I actually tried to segue to is Russ getting popcorn dumped on him uh, while he's walking off the court uh, after an injury. Um, Dave had asked me offline to talk about the Kyrie one, but I wanted to talk about all of them because while Boston has a very specific set of circumstances with their history, all five of these are just insane. And I'm embarrassed to be a part of not only NBA or not just like sports fandom, but humans as a whole in this country, because just we had 15 months of not being around each other. And we're given that first glimpse of light at the end of the tunnel. And this is how we treat it. So I wanted to throw it to you guys to get your initial reactions to everything that we've been seeing. Uh, Cleve, I have a question for you. Let's yeah. say that you were playing an NBA game and you your parents had really good uh seats of course you were on the road and somebody uh warning swearing incoming everybody uh and somebody in the crowd told your mother to quote shut the fuck up bitch um what would your reaction be if you were a player on the court and you heard that happen during the game yeah i i would um it's one thing that it's one thing for me to take that kind of uh, I guess people come, you know, coming at me because I'm on the court and they're, they're, they're joining at me, but it's my parents. They have nothing to do with that. Like they're, you know, I guess they're innocent of it. What? Because they, because they birthed me that they get <laughs> the right to someone to talk to them like that. It's fucking outrageous, bro. And if I was with someone who did that, I'm like, what the fuck's wrong with you, man? Like, are you kidding me? It's the guy's mom. You know, like, what the, like, are you kidding me? it's crazy no that's it's bullshit yeah and so the the restraint shown by what like 20 year old john moran i thought was pretty i thought was pretty incredible in that case but yeah you know it's just like all all these all of these um instances because the, the thing is they're all violent that's the thing like because some people i saw on twitter were trying to defend them like oh we're just heckling we're just whatever but they're all violent you know speaking to the parents like that it's violent dumping popcorn throwing water bottles uh spitting on trey young like these are all violent things and to see so many of them so close together is really really concerning Oh, it's very yeah. concerning. And Cleve, you and I, this was an honorable mention on Cowboy season last week about um, they like the, the NBA fans were basically our Cowboys because they just don't know how to act. And I don't understand it. And I think what frustrates me is that these cities don't realize that these fans end up being a representation of that fan base as a whole. And you can't get upset and say, well, it's just these one bad apples. And it's like, they represent you though. They represent who you are. You have to own the fact that they're coming from your fan base. And not every Boston person is racist. Not everybody in Philly is a crappy fan. Not everybody in Utah is white, but, well, practically, but not, you know, like it's, but they are, you're representing the region. And I think fans forget that. And I think fans also forget that purchasing a ticket to these games is not a contract to do whatever you want. Sure, heckle, right, within reason, say things, but there are lines that are crossed in just in general. Like if the three of us did that to anybody else's mom, we would be warranted with the smoke that we would get in return. And for yep. fans to think that they are above this and that they are somehow in this cocoon because they paid money to see it is absolutely horseshit. And the other thing, too, about the paying the money is that and, uh, Taylor Rooks made this point on Instagram that we aren't like when we pay money to go to a sporting event, um, the, they're not there for us. Right. We are there for them. <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense that you would think that you paid money to go somewhere that you'd have that you'd be able to harass and, you know, heckle is fine and shouting things is fine. Although I'm, I'm well known for shouting at the team I'm supporting rather than the opponents. Um but like you know throwing stuff cursing at family members i i don't i can't even like start like wrap my head around what makes somebody do that but i did notice when the pandemic first started if you were like to try to drive somewhere the drivers on the road were all terrible because it was all the terrible people that were the most out and about like the percentage of the asshole population went up because all the assholes were still out and about and I think at these sporting events, it's the same thing. Because even people who are vaccinated, the people who got vaccinated the fastest are the ones who are most concerned about the virus. So they're also the ones that are still going to be the least likely to go to these games. So I think that the people who are 
So not everybody who's going to these games is a jerk, but the like percentage of jerks in the crowd is higher than normal. Yeah. And it's just disappointing because what makes the sports experience so wonderful as a fan is being able to be a part of these moments. And I, I know I took a big dump on the Knicks last week, and we'll get to where they are in a little bit. But the fans being at Madison Square Garden meant something to them. So treat it the way that it should be. Like, say whatever you want in terms of, you know, heckling to Trey Young, and he certainly gave it back to them, and that's fine. But you spitting on somebody, Clea, I think you and I even talked about Bill Romanowski, right? We're talking about heels. And yeah. he, he spat on, um, was it J.J. Stokes, I think it was, or something like that. And I said to you, like, that's one thing that will never cross over. It, it, like, we can say a lot more stuff in terms of the way that we trash talk people, like the players can. But spitting on another player is the biggest disrespect, and it's never going to be tolerated. So why the hell would you think that you can do that? By the way, spitting over 50 Cent, I think, even, <laughs> who was, I think, a row ahead, spitting on this guy I, I just don't get it no matter how much you hate the guy from a fan perspective he's a human being respect him and russ too russ can be ornery he can be kind of a dick no you know no offense but he doesn't deserve to be dehumanized he's a human and he's not there for your entertainment we're there for his pocketbook basically i feel i and we you and i talked about this and dave dave and i probably talked about this in the gym you know years ago if you enter the field of play all bets are off because now you're you're in my workspace. I'm on the court. I don't know if you have a knife on you. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So if you get tackled, if you get the shit kicked out of you for rushing into a boxing ring or MMA ring or onto a basketball court or a football field and someone tackles you or whatever, and you're like, oh my god, I'm just one. I'm just fucking around. I'm like, bro, this is my, I like you're in you're I'm my personal space here. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who you are, and you're up here. You're in here. So the mouse the mouse of the palace, I agreed for it when it was on the court. But when it got to the stands, I'm like, okay, that's it's a bit much now. But hey, you get on the court in this guy's face, what do you think is gonna happen? You know? So so I'm glad that you brought the malice at the palace because that is of course the most famous uh <laughs> incident that happened in November of two thousand four. Please tell me and, later, Dave. Please tell me. I was not there, unfortunately. Um, I could have been. I was working for a sports radio station at the time, and I worked a lot of Pistons games, but not that one, unfortunately. Um, Damn. Uh, related to that, though, Darko Milicic, incredibly funny. Terrible at basketball. Really <laughs> funny. Um, anyways, so uh, the males at the Palace, though, this is what the league really needs to start paying attention to for these. The males at the palace started because somebody threw a water bottle or a uh, cup of Gatorade or something at Ron Artest. I mean, yeah. that's what that's what set it off. And, you know, Russ had to be held back. And honestly, if Russ wasn't hurt, he might have been able to have been held back. Right. Um, Kyrie had to be held back when he had the water bottle thrown at him. That league really needs to come down hard on all of these fans that did this to prevent another mouse at the palace because each one of these could have been another one and they are extremely lucky that somebody didn't die at the palace that night specifically Cleve to your point the guy who after all this is starting and like the up like a few rows up has courtside seats he says he's going to get up walk on the court and square up on Jermaine O'Neal <laughs> and so Jermaine does the right thing and hauls off to punch this guy as hard as he can and slips on the yeah. court back yeah. swing. And so this guy only lost half his teeth instead of his life. <laughs> but if but if O'Neal had connected like fully on that punch, this mm -hmm. like normal person being punched by Jermaine O'Neal could have died. <laughs> and so the mm -hmm. league really needs to make sure that they come down on these people because they could not have another males at the palace and each one of these could have been that. And so I would like to see not only lifetime suspensions from these teams, full lifetime suspensions from every NBA arena, not only for NBA games, but every event at any arena that hosts NBA games. These fans can never go to ever again. Yeah. You guys remember... Um... 
Do you guys remember that Browns game? You might or might not remember. You might have to. Somebody might have to bring it. I don't have my computer in front of me. Where they they hit, they were hitting plays with batteries. I don't know if you guys remember that. So I have a personal experience with that. And that's why I Greg, don't like. Greg Williams got hit with a battery. Which, I don't know. But they, they got, yeah, they were throwing batteries. These, I mean, obviously in NFL, like you're, you're wearing a helmet and all of that. And, you know, so you said well, you, you got hit with a battery, Matt? I, I went to the Virginia Tech West Virginia game. I think it was in 03 in Morgantown. And this is why I don't like Morgantown because I had batteries thrown at me for being a fan of the opposite team wow. and i can't like i can't really stress to you how but and even in college it was scary and it's like wow what what else yeah, are they willing to do yeah, what else are they willing yes and so my <laughs> hatred for west virginia uh has no bounds for that reason but um I wonder, is the NBA going to have to get to what where hockey is? Where I mean, hockey has boards and plexiglass out of necessity for the way the sport is played. But is that the way to prevent fans from from doing this kind of stuff? Is to have those kind of barriers up uh, around the court, take away the fan experience of being courtside? Because where does this go from here? Like, I'm just afraid that it's going to escalate because. It seems like people are sowing their oats out there because they haven't been able to get out for 15 months and they're doing it in all the wrong ways. So I don't think that we need boards or anything like that in the NBA. The thing is, so like this uptick in violence in public is not unique to the NBA, right? We had we had the Biden-Harris bus run off the road. People were going to kidnap the governor of Michigan. They... Uh, took the Capitol with guns in Oregon. We had what happened on January 6th. Like there was an increase in violence in Everywhere. our society in yeah. general, in public, like public people think that they can just be violent. And what needs to happen is that the people who are doing that need to be held accountable. And I yeah. think that arrests for the people where it's necessary and full lifetime bans from all NBA arenas. And honestly, the other sports leagues should just get in on it. Then the NFL should jump and be like, yeah, you can't go to any NFL games either. Like all the sports should be like, we don't want you as fans at any of our stuff. And yeah, because once you realize if I do this, I can never go to another sporting event ever again. Right then, maybe that that would that would do something. But I don't think they need boards or anything like that. Or maybe one fan just needs to try to square up on uh, I don't know who would be a really bad person to try to fight now. PJ Tucker, try to square up on PJ Tucker and uh, get that work. Well, if you beat PJ Tucker, you can have his sneaker collection, which I'm envious of. So, uh, if that yeah, if that's the way got, I have to get to it, well, PJ Tucker has like 94 black belts and he's insane. So I know I don't know if that's the right guy to go after. But I wanted to talk about the Kyrie situation for a minute because that one is the most unique in that there was some foreshadowing to it on Kyrie's point, you know, part, and then there's also another narrative that's intertwined into it that I don't think is relevant whatsoever. whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, but beforehand, you know, Kyrie talked about going back to Boston, obviously him leaving Boston. He's a very complicated man. Uh, and his leaving Boston was not ideal. Let's put it that way. Saying that he wasn't going to leave, end up leaving. And, you know, it is what it is at this point. He hasn't been back. So he is asked about it before the game and says, I just hope that they are, you know, nice and that they don't basically, uh, incite racism in, in, in all of this. And, what I can tell you is that a whole lot of ignorant people who don't realize the complicated history that Boston has with racial relations took offense to it and it was almost inviting it. And a lot of people had tried to throw him stomping on the logo as part of this. Well, that's why it happened. That does, That's bullshit. Like if you're that soft of a fan that you can't take a disrespect to a logo, like not your team, not somebody on the team, but a logo, then you need to go back to the drawing board as a fan because it's just a drawing. Like it doesn't have the kind of meaning that somebody's life and human, you know, human nature has. And what Kyrie was speaking to is something that other athletes, not just opposing athletes, but hometown athletes have put words to. Carl Crawford, David Price, Bill Russell, right? Bill friggin' Russell. He's like one of the biggest names in Boston sports history. And ironically was not put on the Mount Rushmore by, by like Tom Curran. And I'm like, you're a moron. But um, it, it, to me, it was a little bit different. And I, I think the people who were trying to say that he shouldn't have done that. And that's why it happened. Like, come on, like th that's crossing a line. Like, okay, you mad at him for stomping on the logo, but throwing a water ball at the guy. Like, and Kevin Garnett coming to the defense of that is like, 
dude, you're not getting the point. You're totally not getting the point. And if it was you who had the water bottle thrown at you, you'd feel exactly the same way. Yeah, the there is it's almost too perfect of a metaphor of Kyrie Irving stepping on the painted image of a white man, then having a bottle thrown at him by an actual white man and then being blamed somehow for both. Like disrespecting the logo deserved getting assaulted by the other one. It's like that metaphor could not be more apt. Obviously, stepping on the logo doesn't have anything to do with it. And even if he does stomp on the logo, you know who should handle that? It's Jason Tatum. Yes. Right? Like, you let the Boston Celtics handle it. You know, nobody, nobody, like, nobody in Chicago would start throwing things at the Pistons because they disrespected the Bulls by not shaking their hands. Oh, I don't think it's disrespect. Fuck the Bulls. But still, like, nobody <laughs> in Chicago was doing that. Right, uh, Michigan, Ohio State. So Michigan, before every game, they put up a, a banner that the players run out and they jump up and touch or whatever. And then the visiting team comes out and they run to the side. And the visiting team comes out first. So Ohio State one year, they come out, they run down and they jump up and they tear the banner down and like destroy it. And like nobody in Ann Arbor was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to start throwing batteries at Ohio State players because they disrespected our banner. Because it doesn't make any sense. It's disconnected. That dude would have thrown that bottle at Kyrie no matter what. No matter what he did. And it's about time that everybody in general really start giving. Because like within the black community, we know about Boston. We know Boston is not the place to be. And so like it's, a, it's about time that everybody else started noticing this as well. Because Boston really does have a reckoning they need to have about this sort of, about this sort of stuff. Because it's really bad up there. The so um I, I don't know if you know you guys played high school sports or not. Um I'm assuming Dave, did you play high school sports? I did not play high school sports. Okay. Um I played high school sports and one of the things that I can remember clearly about high school sports in the town that I grew up, uh there were three high schools, they were all in three different conferences, right? And they never played each other ever unless it was an exhibition or something like that these schools never played each other but if we were in town somewhere wearing your letterman jacket it was like gang colors like you like oh you went you go to that high, high school and you were like you would be told on the weekends like before the weekend like hey if you guys are going to go down to like the like the carnival or whatever that's coming to town do not wear your letterman jackets because it's going to invite like violence and i'm like we don't even play this fucking school like i don't even understand because every school wanted to be the school that represented that town and i'm like so wait a minute you're telling me this rivalry or whatever this is goes back like for like 60 years where you got older like older people saying hey are you guys from that high school and then they're giving a kid shit you know i'm 17 some fucking guy that's 45 is in my face like take take the fucking jacket off whatever and i'm like whoa 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 like what are you what are you 12 what's going on so I, I always and i tell matt this all the time when it comes to fandom i'm a jets fan i've been one since 19 since 1984 but if i do something at the meadowlands right or metlife if i if i do something there you think that they're gonna fucking bail me out of jail you think that i'm gonna i'm going to a game leaving with a felony right probably losing my job losing my freedom you know, oh, God, they're killing someone because we got in a, scra a scrap because a kid's wearing that. I remember a kid, a 12 year old kid that my mom, like one of my mom's coworkers' sons, went to a, a, a Giants game wearing the Cowboys jersey. He's 12 years old and two grown men beat the shit out of him. I'm like, you're a fucking fan of a team that once you buy that ticket, they don't give a goddamn about you. Like, okay, you bought a ticket, you're here, whatever. That's it. So when it's, these people that like run around like these super fans, whatever, need to get a fucking life because you guys are losers, straight up. And the, the other, the other thing too, um, that's really awful to hear about that kid in the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, jersey. that was crazy, bro. Um, uh, but like, so in European soccer, this sort of fan behavior is much more common. Mm -hmm. Not, but, but like with, with amongst other fans, but like it's part of it over there. So like you don't actually mix in the crowds and you have separate sections and all that. And it's known, but even in European soccer, I can't really remember too much of like fans trying to throw things at 
the players. They will set whole fires inside the stadium in the crowd. But yeah, you you remember that, like that's that that, that even game then, they throw like, all the bananas on the field. You remember that right, thing, right? But like there's like you don't have players going to take corner kicks and somebody's throwing batteries at them from the stands. Like <laughs> like and here's the thing: if Italian soccer can manage not to do this. Uh, although in Italian soccer, they do shout uh, racial slurs at, at players. That is true. Mm-hmm. They do shout racial slurs at players in Europe a lot. But like the physical violence, you don't get as much over there. So I don't understand why in the United States we keep throwing water bottles. Also, I saw this guy who threw the, who threw the water bottle at Kyrie Irving. That guy could not take Kyrie Irving. The guy who threw it at Ron Artest could not take Ron Artest. So why are, the guy who spit on Trey Young could not have taken Trey Young. So I don't understand, like, doing this stuff that should invite you getting your ass kicked when you can't even hold your, <laughs> hold your own in the fight. Like, I'm never going to spit on anybody, but I will tell you the person I'm least likely to spit on is Cleve because I don't want to get my ass kicked. Like, I don't, I don't understand it. Like, well, I don't even get where these people are coming from. That's a great segue to tie up a few things. Um, you know, we got a few few minutes left. But, uh, Cleve, last week Dave and I talked about delusional fan bases, and um, we, we gave a couple of examples, and the ones we really honed in on were fan bases that I think think they're going to be good but have no reason to really believe that, that, that that's true. And one mm-hmm. of the, the first example Dave gave was the Toronto Maple Leafs, so I just wanted to give the audience an update on the Maple Leafs. Uh, last night they blew a 3-1 series lead against their uh, fellow Canadians, the uh, Montreal Canadiens, and are now ousted from the playoffs. So uh, that's perfect timing for that. And I just wanted to say get, you know, well wishes to the Maple Leafs fan base. Uh, the New York Knicks, my beloved New York Knicks, um, after celebrating in the streets after a Game 2 victory at MSG, uh, are now down three games to one and probably will be ousted from the playoffs. So congrats for <laughs> making the playoffs and good for you. But, uh, Cleve, uh, when, when you think about delusional fan bases, what's one that comes to mind for you? Just one. The Dallas Cowboys. Ah, the old child star from the from yep. yesteryear. Okay. Yep. Which Dave and I talked about that. Yeah, they're the fucking guys that show up to something and be like, hey, you know who I am? I want a Super Bowl back in when? When you have to say 19 and nineteen ninety whatever, it's like get the fuck out of here. Like the you know these these guys are the child star, and it's like they're that that's known for whatever show they were on ten thousand years ago. It's a delusional yeah. fan base. Well, I figured you'd say that, so that's good. But, Cleve, before we get out, we do have one really important question. And you and I were talking about this. So, Dave, we're going to play a game called Would You Rather um, okay. with Cleve about this. So, Cleve, we, we mentioned the Jets. Dave and I didn't quite talk, call them delusional, but we did talk about how, unlike a lot of Jets fans, you weren't born into it. You chose them when you came to this country. And so yeah. I asked a very, very important question. Uh, worst choice: choosing to be a Jets fan or Mark Davis's haircut. So first, um, how do you how how do you feel about that? Because Dave and I both sided with well, Mark Davis was born into crazy, so choosing the Jets is probably a crazier decision just with those extenuating <laughs> circumstances. I would I would take I would, the Mark Davis haircut is undefeated, so I, I I'm taking the Jets. That is excellent. And so the other question was, would you wear a Mark Davis wig for a full season if that meant the Jets would win the Super Bowl? Hard pause, but yeah, I would I would wear I would and, wear and this 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 is everywhere. This is at the gym. Yes. This is oh, uh, on a not- broadcast. This is uh in bed. This is literally everywhere. You have to wear this Mark Davis wig. Yeah. All right. So then, yeah, I don't, I don't think I could do it. Oh, uh, and what, what Dave accurately called it was a spoon haircut. I believe is what I, he called I it. It's like the fryer tuck with the top on. I, I just, I just, I don't know. That's not that you said everywhere. I thought it was just like, like to the games. Like I could easily do that, but everywhere oh, no, no, no. I would, I would hate myself. I would wear, oh. I would wear that wig every day. And eat a chocolate covered cicada every day just to have the Lions lose a Super Bowl. Okay. <laughs> like that is how that is how desperate I have become. Um or you was the appearance. Or you was the appearance. The appearance. I think right. what well to to be fair, what Dave said last season was making the conference title game and losing is actually way worse than making the Super Bowl and losing. You're actually the bigger loser for making the uh, conference title game and losing than you are for losing the Super Bowl. So uh, perhaps he's onto something there making the Super Bowl. Uh, I will say this. Um, I 
don't have to wear anything to uh, until the Patriots win a Super Bowl because I just wore my regular clothes for six. So I think I'm good for, for the end of time until that happens again. Uh, but I do like the idea of, uh, of, a, of a show logo with all of us superimposing the Mark Davis haircut on ourselves. So I think, uh, that, yeah. I think that could happen. By the way, Matt, you are very lucky you're not recording this in person. I would have definitely thrown a water bottle at you for that comment. <laughs> I was going to okay. say the same damn thing, bro. That's all right. And then we'd get into a bar fight situation. And um, as Jim Lampley once said, we'd never see Dave on HBO again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, any any parting thoughts, fellas? Anything good, man? Any, any good news? How Matt? about... Um, you know, nothing like that stands out um, outside of the fact that we were able to throw the teenagers in my neighborhood a bone because they were looking for some extra cash. So uh, we paid them to throw mulch in our yard, and they were they were really good about it. So now one of them can take out the girl next door who he's dating because I'm pretty sure he couldn't afford to do it beforehand. So now he's got <laughs> a few dollars in his pocket, and uh, he can take her to whatever it is kids do these days for dates. Well, as long as he doesn't wear his Letterman's jacket to the wrong part of town or whatever. <laughs> Well, the best part about this was he had a brace on his right hand, and apparently he broke it trying to catch a football that he and a kid went for at the same time. And my neighbor was like, did anybody catch it? And they're like, no. And he's like, well, that wasn't worth it then, was it? And I was like, brutal. Absolutely brutal. Sounds like a, like a Jets draft pick right there, bro. Well, I mean, hey, either way, it's just really funny. Oh, and he also does that trick where he works out in the neighborhood near where she lives. And I'm like, is he doing that so that you, you can be impressed by him? And she's like, I have no idea. She's like 13 or 14. I just was like calling the kid out for running laps around her house. <laughs> shirtless. I'm like, shirtless. That's a move. <laughs> anyway, nothing good, but uh, good to be back this week. And, uh, you know. Nice to have a three-man wolf pack. Dave and I held water. Uh, we didn't. We weren't a leaking ship or anything like that. But I think we had a good time. But it's always best with the three of us. Nice to have you back, Cleve. Thanks, brothers. You got it. All right, fellas and uh, everybody. We'll hopefully uh, talk to you next week. We'll have some Aaron Rodgers news. Let's hope. Uh, and uh, Julio Jones will be a buck. So I'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs> See you later. Peace. Political football is owned exclusively by Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice and is brought to you by Matty Ice Media.